Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Okay, so I want you to explain to me this whole eclipse situation because I actually am mm. not very well versed in the moon and even just astrological happenings, but I keep hearing about the eclipse and everyone I know is going through a lot of shit right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. So basically, we just experienced it was the last two days of Aries season. So that was kind of weird because there was actually a new moon in Aries twice this year. Generally speaking, there's a new moon in each sign. Okay. So that was kind of rare, but it was a solar eclipse, not a lunar eclipse. So the sun was eclipsed by the moon. The moon. And basically what happens every time there is an eclipse is I feel like you revisit the old self. It's kind of like whatever you haven't fully addressed, whatever wounds you haven't healed, any sort of old attachments, they just come right back up, which makes so much sense because our conversations for the past two weeks, which by the way, the eclipse energy starts like a couple weeks before okay. and kind of fades out for a couple weeks after. That's a really big astrological event. So I feel like our conversations the past two weeks and a bit were all about old shit. It was, I felt like we went back in time. Literally. That's how everyone feels usually yes. during an eclipse. And you can look back I don't remember the exact dates, but if you look back at the last Aries solar eclipse, it might have been more than 10 years ago, probably. But you can look back at that time in your life and try to figure out what was it that I was dealing with at that time. And usually you'll see a similar theme mm. kind of crop up. So maybe it was like relationships you were dealing with 10 years ago, or maybe it was career. And that same wound, whatever wasn't fully patched and healed, comes right, right back up. So if you felt like either you or our listener felt like you felt like your old self, mm -hmm. that was the eclipse. Mm. Because that is exactly what I experienced the past week. It was like every single old wound, story, thought just kept coming back. And actually, what I'll say is the way that I know I've grown, not in like an egoic like measurement way, but it truly is this. It's not that you never experience those things again because you will. Yes. But my reaction to them was so different. 100%. I was like, oh, this is weird. Like, this is, okay, old self coming back, like old thoughts, old stories, old emotions. But I was just really present for them. And um, I think that's the thing that a lot of people get so mixed up on their journey is, oh, no, I, this is back. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going back into the old self. Oh, no, I'm feeling the same things again, thinking that that is the failure or the back step, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, no, I'm not moving forward anymore. I'm going backwards. But no, you're really being shown an opportunity to see how have how how, how far have you grown, actually? Yeah. How will you react to this similar wound, similar trigger this time? And that was really crazy because – yeah, we revisited so much old stuff. Well, I think that's the biggest learning curve that you and I have had is it's not about stopping these things from happening. It's not about not having fears. It's not about revisiting these old wounds again. We're not trying to ever stop these things from happening. It's more 
changing our response to them. And that really has been indicative in our journey. And for me, I didn't actually feel like I was going backwards. I actually didn't recognize it was old stuff right away Mm. until much longer into it where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still feeling the same fear that I felt a few years ago or even earlier this year. But it felt different again, like you said, because the response was different. The level of awareness was different. And I knew in my body that the typical response of kind of shaming myself was not right. Yeah. You know, there was something that was like, this doesn't feel like it did before because before my responses were so unconscious. But yeah, yeah, I can now witness for sure. It was all of my old shit. Yeah, but I think the difference is this time we didn't experience the shame layer on top. Yes. Which is really how you know you're healing because prior to healing, you just shame yourself for every negative thought, every negative pattern, every negative behavior. Yeah. But your healing journey is really understanding why you're having those thoughts, why you're reacting in that way, and not to justify negative behavior or even hurtful behavior, but where is that hurtful behavior really stemming from? And so I think that the two of us experienced old wounds, old patterns. Like I got really angry. I got really like irritated this past week. And the difference was, is I didn't feel bad about it. I was Mm. just like, oh, I'm feeling irritated. I'm feeling upset. Why could that be, right? It's getting curious and compassionate. Yeah, exactly. And I remember when I was first starting on this journey and hearing so many people tell me like, just be compassionate. <laughs> just, just, just be curious. And I was like, curious? Like, what the fuck am I acting? What the fuck am I acting like this? Right. And I feel like that's the thing about your healing journey too. Is after you become aware of things, you become angry and upset with yourself when you are aware of those things. It's well, because like, you notice all. Like, if you think about, I'm just trying to think. I don't know. If you were to make a dress and you were first learning how to sew, and you're you're looking and you become aware of all the mistakes, all you can see is the things that are wrong in that dress, right? And I think that's what happens on our healing journey is you start to become aware of these these patterns, these these things that you think to yourself and all of these things that you do. And that's all. then that's all you can see. It was like you were blind to it all. And now that's all you can see. And you're actually blind to all like the yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Well, it's like, okay, let's use a sewing example because I like that. Let's say you're like a self-taught sewer yeah. or seamstress, whatever. So you've been seamstressing, you've been sewing <laughs> all this time your own way. And then someone who is a professional seamstress. Like Vera Wang walks in. Yeah. And is like, oh, that's like totally, uh, there's a more efficient way of doing that. Right. Uh, and you're like, Oh, and then instead of being like, wow, I'm so proud that I managed to sew this in my own way, and now I have a new way of doing it. You just see how badly compared to your new standard or new desire your old sewing is, and now you maybe don't even want to sew. You think you're a horrible sewer. So all of that shame comes up, and when you really begin to heal, the shame dissipates because you see, but I didn't have that awareness before. Yeah. Like, I didn't. I didn't have that skill before. I didn't know. How could I have known to sew like that? Because I'm fucking self-taught. Like, I didn't know that. So it's more like on your healing journey, you just end up becoming more grateful for having learned those lessons and tools for awareness instead of upset that you didn't know them before. Mm -hmm. And that's just also what our brains do that I've learned is that your brain is just always going to pick shit apart. (laughs) It's always going to look at more of the negative. And that really is a protective thing. And that's been one of the most... Healing things for me, I I know I kept saying to you this past week was like, I'm feeling the fear, Mm. but I'm not scared. Right. Which 
which is very nuanced. Yes. And I I definitely think that to some people and to my old self, that just sounds like a contradiction. Yes. Like what? You experience fear and you're not scared. Those are the same thing. No. I think that you can absolutely and totally become aware, allow, recognize, and investigate fear without actually feeling consumed by it, right? That is the detachment. Yeah. Because before we were so attached to every emotion. I am mad. I am sad. Mm -hmm. I am scared. Instead of seeing the fear or the anger or the sadness as a literal passing experience. And that was the difference for me this past week. Although all of these old emotions are coming back up, my experience of them is not an overwhelmed overreaction to what's happening, but genuinely just observation. Oh, wow. Okay. Like I'm really irritated by that. That's interesting. But I obviously have the awareness now that this is temporary and it's revealing something to me. And I want to I want to know what it's revealing. Like I mm-hmm. want to – I always say every single emotion is a window or a crack into your subconscious. Yeah. And you want to use that. Like I want to get in there, figure out what is this about rather than, oh, I'm so upset that I'm experiencing this again. Mm-hmm. I know. I think of it also like a lighthouse. It's just like, hello, <laughs> there's something here. Yeah. You know, just to, just to look deeper into. And I think – at least in the vein of fear, what I'm understanding is that fear is just always going to happen, especially anytime we're about to take any sort of risk, whether that's trying a new thing, whether that's, you know, maybe dating somebody new, maybe that's, you know, for me, obviously it's like putting my voice more out there. Like that fear doesn't mean you shouldn't do the thing. And I know we talked about this in episode two, but the way that I'm embodying and understanding this now is knowing that that's just an automatic evolutionary response that our body has when there is a perceived threat, which I defined with you the other day that a perceived threat to your body is anytime your nervous system is not in homeostasis. Right. Not calm. Not calm. Yeah. Like, so it's not actually a threat to my body to post something on Instagram. I'm not actually going to die, but because my body is out of regulation when, when I'm experiencing that, that is a perceived threat. And so when I understand that that just happens before I do something, before I'm going to be seen, I just know that that's just what happens before I do the thing and I do it. And now I'm actually giving myself more of a roadway. Because I think what I used to do before is I would get scared and I would stop it. That was the dead end for me. Yeah, I just wouldn't do the thing. That's most people. That's most people because we think the fear means we shouldn't do the thing. Instead of knowing that the fear is just what happens before I do anything that's a little bit risky, that's a little bit scary, that's a little bit new, especially if it means something to you, if it's something that you actually really want to do. Because think about that. If you're about to ask somebody out on a date, you're so scared, but it's actually what you really want to do. I know. Right? It's You know what? You gave me a really good metaphor for this a couple weeks ago, you were like, your nervous system or your fear is just like an alarm system. Yeah. Think about your house. Your alarm, if it's a good alarm system and you set it every time you leave, it goes off every time you walk in. Yeah. Like every time. Yeah. That's not scary. You just put in the code. Yes. Right? And so I feel that now that every time fear comes up for me, you just address it. You just know how to handle it. So whatever that is, whether that's like an acknowledging mantra, a breath practice, a little bit of tapping, right? It it's supposed to do it. So stop expecting for it to not happen, right? It'd be like, well, it's like walking into the house and the alarm's going off and you're like, Freak my out. alarm's going off. The mm. alarm's going off instead of just going and punching in the code. And I think that's the key though, is figuring out what is the code. Because I think mm. it's going to be different in every in yes. every season, in every experience. It's really knowing in that moment, what does my body and my nervous system need 
for it to settle. Yeah, and everyone's code is unique, literally. Yes. You pick, choose your own password. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be, you know what, to come up with your own password, you have to really think to yourself, okay, like, what's Mm. something that, like, I can remember, right, to (laughs) use in that moment? Yeah, It's exactly the same with your body. It's like, okay, I'm feeling sweaty armpits or, like, I am, my heart is beating, my alarm system is going off. What's my code? Like, what, what is my password to my safety, Mm -hmm. to my green zone. And so I think that has been the key crux of our journey the past few months is not like, how do I turn off the fucking alarm? We're like, what is the code? Yes. Like, what is my passcode? Yes. Because I can use my passcode every time it goes off. I can't prevent the alarm from going off. Yes. Like you said, it's an ancient biological adaptive system. It's there for protective reasons. Yeah. My, I feel like my body has no awareness of what year it is, you know? <gasps> Hundred percent. It doesn't know that it's 2023. It doesn't understand smartphone uh, alarm notifications. Like <laughs> it doesn't know what year it is. Yeah. So everything is a woolly mammoth, saber tooth tiger. Everything. Well, taking a risk back then, you wouldn't be like, I'm going to go check out that mountain that looks super <laughs> steep, and I'm just going to go climb it. You wouldn't do that. Leaving your tribe to go do something new was so risky. You didn't know what was out there, and so your brain is like, don't do it. You're going to die. And that is sometimes actually right. how it feels, like that impending oh doom feeling. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right? Where you're like, but I remember sometimes I just lay in bed, and I'm like, I'm under my covers. I know. But your body doesn't know. Your body doesn't know that. I think I remember telling you one time, it's almost like your body is, like, I said, like, the three blind mice or something. Like, it doesn't have eyeballs. It doesn't. Like, it's relying on you to communicate to it what's going on. It has no screen to the outside. Right? It reminds me of, like, those submarines and they have those, like, (laughs) cameras that go up. It's kind of like that. Your body is a submarine that's underwater. It can't see what's above. So you need to use your discernment to tell your body what safety. And again, learning what, how to find that safety for yourself. And it's been interesting for you and I, because we're so different, Mm, right? So different passcodes. And so for me, my, what I need to disarm first or what I need to go first is finding safety in my body, right? Doing the somatic work, doing the breathwork techniques, really feeling safe. Sometimes that might be like, whatever, hugging myself. It might just be tuning into my heart space, asking myself, what does my body need in this moment? For you, it's more thought work and that helps you to settle. Yeah. But you know what? It's changing a lot these days. It's not actually the same passcode every time. Well, that's the whole thing. The passcode changes. It's like, it's like, okay, upstairs passcode is one thing. Yes. Every room has a different passcode. Every room has a different passcode. So every emotion I deal with differently. And it's almost like I have to change the passcodes every now and then because you well, know, you, got, you got to switch yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. For because the, the burglars, the thefts, which is your fear, can sometimes find out your passcode. Oh my! <laughs> right, right. And then you it's have so to true. change it up. It's so true. You Those hackers. You have to. Yeah, it's like it's like you got to be ahead. Yes, of the, of the hackers of, of your the own. fear hackers. The fear hackers. Yes. yes, you need to update your passcode consistently and yes, like really test them too, right? So that you're not waiting to see if your passcode works when there's actually a burglar, right? A real threat. But when there's like minor threats, right? So, and minor threats can range. It could be just whatever, email or whatever. And then you have a bigger thing where maybe it's like a public speaking event. That's like a bigger threat, right? But can you practice your passcode in these smaller things? And Mm -hmm. I think that has been the greatest trajectory for us has been, oh, I don't have to stop 
my alarm from going off because that's what people think. I need to that wait. Was me. I need to wait for all of this fear to disappear. I need to wait until I feel confident. It's like yeah. you just you won't. You need to have your your passcode. Or you feel like you're supposed to make it completely go away, right? Like for me, that's where I just felt so hopeless because I thought I'm never going to be able to get rid of this fear. And it's I remember my therapist said, yeah. <laughs> You won't. And I was like, I'm not. I thought I, I was know. coming here for you to tell me how to get rid of the fear. Yeah. But it's literally learning how to live with it and how to coexist with it. How to, like, I think about it. It's even, like a chronic illness. <laughs> it kind of is. I mean, it's also like, I, I mean, we always use working out as an example. And I just feel like for most people who work out, you don't actually want to go. Mm. In the mornings. I mean, at least when you're first starting out. For me, yeah, I'm never okay. like, waking up in the morning and you put on your shoes happily. Like there's so many books on how to create that habit for a reason, because right. for most there's a lot people, of resistance. there's a lot of resistance, but so you don't try to get rid of that. You find techniques of how to do it anyway. Yeah. Right. Because if you were going to wait for the time where you are excited to go to the gym, I mean, that's basically me right now. <laughs> You're not going to go. You're not going to go. So for me, it's really been learning to really understand that the cure to fear, at least for me, is love. It's mm. unconditional love and it's that compassion, that support for myself where I'm like, hey, I know you're scared, but I'm going to love you even if the worst case scenario happens. That's for me has been the diffusing of the alarm. It's been knowing that even if in my mind I go out on stage and everyone laughs and I am super embarrassed and no one ever wants to talk to me again, I actually love myself anyway, because most of the time we're not even afraid of the actual thing. We're more afraid of what we're going to think about ourselves it's after it that. happens. Yeah. We're always afraid of our own self-judgment. Yes. Yeah. And another layer to this too is the only way I'm able to alchemize fear or the way that we alchemize fear in partnership, right, is mm -hmm. if you come to me with something and you are afraid, right? And the only way for you to feel safe and process that is for me to actually validate it. Mm. If I was like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> Right? If I was like, that's just get over that. Like, that's right. Which some people act that way, right? Totally. And it doesn't, it, that doesn't get rid of it. Like, that, that, that makes it worse. Then well, you just feel shame for feeling scared. Yes. It's like going on a roller coaster, right? If I'm like, you're so dumb for being scared, it's not that big of a deal. Then you, like you said, feel so dumb for being afraid in the first place. Yeah. And there which is, is that, just another layer of emotion, which creates more resistance. Which tells your brain this is something to be afraid of. Exactly. So the first thing we need to do within ourselves anytime we have a fear is actually make it make sense. Yes. Right? Like how, how, wh why might I be afraid right now? Actually, the question I literally ask myself is how does this make sense? Because mm. the question you ask is very important. Yes. Right? If you ask what's wrong with me, not a very good question <laughs> because your brain will come up with a thousand reasons yes. why something is wrong with you. But if you ask yourself, how does this fear make sense right now? You'll be able to dig back and find some sort of old memory or experience that made you fear that in the past. So, oh, my body's patterned, right? It, it's a pattern recognition system, this body. It's mm -hmm. like memorizing and using the information from the past constantly to make projections. And so if it experienced fear in the past, then it will just be like, hey, that, that was scary then and it's probably scary now. And so you have to be the one to really validate that. Like, wow, that really makes sense mm -hmm. because that's the only way to get it to dissipate. And that's why I can see with so much clarity and so much compassion now that all the years that I rejected an emotion, all the times I was like, fuck, like it's coming up again. Like, how do I get rid of it? Like, of course that was never going to work. Yeah. Like I can see now like why I got so frustrated with myself and like why 
everything just kept coming up like twofold, tenfold, twentyfold because I wasn't seeing my emotion. Mm. And so I think at this point, everyone's probably heard either on our podcast or someone else's podcast, like all emotions want is to be seen. Mm-hmm. But you're like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, wh- you're like, like, I see it. You're like, I, I see it here. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. Right. But the most important thing is what is your feeling towards it, mm-hmm. right? Is the feeling towards that emotion, right? Judgment, critical, is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it just, for me, it was always frustration. I was just like, mm, like, yeah, get yeah, out of here. Yeah. Like, get out of here. And I had to experience that over and over and over again, only to realize that just makes it worse. Like, that just makes it worse. Yeah. I mean, for me, it became extremely apparent because of my daughter, right? Because right. when she comes up and she's nervous about something or she's afraid of somebody being mad at her, or she's afraid to go on a ride. I'm not like, Fuck! Why are you here? Like, stop! Like, I know. that would make it so much worse. And but honestly, that is how, by the way, our parents talk to 100%. us. Hundred percent. And that's why it makes so much sense to me I because know. I've only taught my body that when I get scared, the follow up to that is shame, and let's shove it down some more. Yeah. And so I can't remember if I've shared this analogy or this story before about the arrows, but this is really relevant right now. So I don't know where I read this, but. You really want to think about things that happen to you that might be a contrast of experience, fear, whatever these things that you're feeling as the first arrow that hits you, okay? Mm-hmm. That, that's hitting you first. Then we go ahead and we see that arrow, and then we go shoot another one at ourselves and being yeah. like, why do you feel like this? This is stupid. And we shame ourselves instead of just working on the first arrow and healing that. And so I think for me, when I look at my daughter, if she's upset, I'm not going to shoot another arrow at her. I'm going to take that arrow out and I'm going to help her heal that wound. Well, you see the first arrow as painful. You're like, that's so painful, which is why anyone who's ever been to a therapy session and their therapist says to them, that must must be be really really hard. I knew you were going to know. I knew you were going to know. But that that's the part you start crying because you haven't yes. seen yourself in your pain. And when someone else just hears you like yes. word vomit all over the place and is like, wow, that's hard. You're like, yeah. It is really hard. It is. Yeah. So it's like you need to see yourself in your first pain, yes. which is whatever it is. Maybe you're feeling anxious. Maybe you're feeling scared. But you're making yourself feel terrible for being in that pain, judging yourself for being in that pain instead of seeing just that initial experience as painful. Yes. Right? And you may think it's like trivial or like stupid, but your body doesn't. Yeah. And it really goes back to even what Danielle Laporte said, which is it's it's a little baby. It's – Yeah. I really do treat myself like a child. That has really been the only gateway that I was able to access that level of self-compassion and love and curiosity because I had to do that with her, with my daughter. And in doing that, that really has allowed me to, I guess, humanize humanize myself more – understand myself more, not judge myself for going through this so many times, especially because of the childhood that we had. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, I really believe the antidote to fear is love. And so for me, the question is, is how can I, like, what kind of love does this need? What kind of compassion and, and, and nurturing does this fear need? And in the beginning, before I can go into any sort of strategy or steps to take of how to, you know, work through this, it's really, like you said, noticing, oh, oh my gosh, my body is really, really afraid. And when you give yourself time to get quiet enough to kind of give it space to be heard, like I always visualize myself, this sounds so like dark and morbid, but I'm sure everybody can relate to this, where I can even see my younger self in this dark room in a corner. Mm. And she's so 
scared. You don't just like bust open the door and say, don't be afraid. Come on out. It's like you're gingerly walking towards this scared being like, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But so many of us never experienced that. I know. That's what's so sad is the healing journey is always forever a reparenting journey. Every time. I love that you said humanize ourselves because we don't do that. Um, like I was saying to my clients, it's so easy, obviously, to apply these rules to other people. Yes. Like, oh, it's totally fine that you felt that way. Like, it's okay to – like, I remember for me, my huge block was being able to cry. Yeah. Right? But you cried all the time. All the time. And you were so compassionate to me every time. Because I see you and you're a person. Yes. We don't think of ourselves as people. Yes. It's, I'm just like a floating head with like thoughts. I'm not a literal human. And so I've had to literally imagine myself as a literal person. Like if I were on the street and I were to express that I was afraid or express that I was angry, how would a normal human being react to that? Mm-hmm. With actually a lot of compassion. Like humans are enormously compassionate to begin with. Yeah. Our natural state is actually not judgment. It, you know? Like yeah. if I were to experience you, even in like the largest emotional outburst, there there really is not a part of me that would be like, is this necessary? Like, are you my first reaction is to help you. Yes. That's my first reaction. Right. And so why is my first reaction not to help myself? And that has right. completely changed my life. My first reaction now is to help myself. And I'll never, I'm so appreciative of myself now because yesterday Mm. was the, not the first time, but one of the first times that I was crying. And you know, when you're a kid, we learned about this with Lorianne, your parents are the ones who are supposed to name emotions for you, Yes, right? You're crying and your parents supposed to go, oh, you're feeling sad. And you're not going to believe this. I was crying in my car for no particular reason. And I just said to myself, oh, you're really sad right now. Like, I did that for me instead of being like, what the fuck? Like, you know, wiping why my tears. Why am I crying? Yeah, like, like, why am I crying right now? I just named it for myself. And I realized that's kind of sad. Like, yeah. and I, it's kind of sad. Like, I'm just kind of crying in the car. And I was like, it's okay. Like, and I just started offering myself normal human words yes. of compassion. Like, I'm not even doing, like, more than the bare minimum that a human would actually do. Like, if I were crying... I think that any person, actually, this is a true story. I remember being in New York and I was crying on the subway. Numerous people asked me if I was okay. Like that's the normal human reaction is to just, are you good? Are you good? And so- And do you need anything? Do you need something? Like, are you- Can I help? help? Yes. And so now my first reaction to my emotions is like, do you need help? Like, Mm. what do you need help with? Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. how can I be with you? Mm -hmm. So that has been- That took me so long to learn though. Holy shit. Hey listeners, quickly interrupting this episode to say that if you're loving this conscious conversation, we're inviting you to join the dialogue with us inside of our free Spiraling Higher community. It's our favorite place on earth and it's where you can meet like-minded souls on their healing journey and discuss what you're spiraling through with your conscious besties. It's where we continue this conversation long after the episode ends because as we all know, healing is an upward spiral. So join the conversation, share with us your insights, questions, and breakthroughs. We're here for it all. You can join by creating a free account by clicking the link at the top of the show notes. Can't wait to see you in there. I think for me, my question is, at least just in this season, is noticing, first of all, that it's a dysregulation. There's something about that for me that helps me to get out of the thick of the emotion of it or the fear and just notice, oh, I'm in dysregulation and 
my body thinks there's a threat. And then just tuning in and just saying, oh, you're really scared right now. You feel like you're not, you feel like you're not safe. Just like if my daughter is afraid at nighttime and there's no monster out there and she is scared of a monster. I'm not like, there's no monster. Just go to bed. It's like, oh, you're really scared. What do you feel? What do you, like she sometimes feel, feel someone's going to like bust through her window. Right. Which is, I guess, a valid fear, but I don't rush her through that. Or like you said, give her more logical explanation. I just focus on the safety first, right? I don't go into her like, well, there's no monster. There's no one. They don't have a key to our house. I can't go into the logical. I really have to go into the root of helping her to find safety. And everyone's going to be different. I mean, I think for her, it's her stuffies, mm-hmm. right? For some kids, it might be like listening to a bedtime story. So again, it's just really getting curious with yourself of in each moment, what it is that you need. And also noticing that that's going to change. Because I think for me, I would find one thing that worked and then I would try to use that the next time. Well, you time. get attached to it. Yes. Yeah. And then well, that's like, what happens with the using the spirituality against yourself, right? Mm. You read a book or do a practice and it works. That That's your passcode. Yeah. Right? And then you mm. try and then you try to use the shit out of it. Yeah. And it's like you <laughs> – it's like the, the code changes and you're using the wrong passcode attempt. Yeah. And then you're getting upset with yourself that it doesn't work instead of just trying to be curious about a new way, right? Mm. And so – yeah. Also, too, I think sometimes we try to use these practices even when we don't need them because we think— Oh, that's so true. Yeah. I almost try to—I think everyone does this at some point, but a practice works. And then you try to, like, build up, like, your threshold by, like, using it a lot mm. so that it, you can protect yourself from, like, not experiencing the things again. But it doesn't work like that. Emotions are moment to moment. Moment to moment. Yeah. It's kind of like I can't meditate for a year and then stop and then just experience the benefit— of a year well, of meditation. It's kind of like <laughs> stretching right now and being like, well, I'm not going to get a back injury later. It's like, well, it'll protect you for now. But well, it's like, like eating. It's yeah. Like, it's literally <laughs> like good, eating. Yes. It's like if I eat for a year, it's like maybe I don't have to eat this year. Or taking <laughs> medicine now and you're like, this is going to work. No, it works for the moment. It only works for it the moment. It only works for the moment. Yes. And so you can't build up your your spiritual reps or whatever your practice. Right. You, you just, can't like bank it. You can't bank it. Yes, yeah. It's the same with food. It's the same with meditation. And I've I've messed that up with meditation before. Like I will get <laughs> egoically convinced that if I meditated every day yeah. for six months that somehow I'm going to attain like an additional six months of enlightenment or something. Like right. I've, I've got a bank of meditative energy here. But no, meditation works for that day. Right. Like it's for that moment. And I think it just goes back to shifting your focus to being like, okay, I'm going to live a life where none of this happens to I'm going to live a life where I can handle anything that happens, mm-hmm. right? That's the exact same thing with Emmeline. I used to try to protect her so much from any trauma, from any bad thing happening. I really yeah. tried to protect her from any of those painful experiences until I realized that's doing her such a disservice. It really is. right. That's like letting them win at every game. Right? Yeah. Like playing a game and she just gets to win every time. That's actually not teaching her anything. She might feel good in the moment that I mm-hmm. win every game, but that but would, even if she wins every game, that'll stop feeling good too. 100%. <laughs> but then she goes and plays with somebody else and now she's not prepared for that loss because mm. she's like, I always win. And now she's going to make that mean something completely different than yeah. if she's used to losing and just getting back up and playing again. Right. And so <laughs> actually, I yeah. just remember the story about when she did lose at game night with you and your husband. What happened? She was so upset. Like, she lost. You guys yeah. were playing a card game. And oh, it was because she did cheat. Was it the oh, cheating game? Oh, my God. Yes, it was. She cheated, and then she, like, found out. She I, found I out busted that you found her, out. and she was in 
deep shame. Oh my deep God. Deep shame. But you know what? That was such an important lesson because I was like, I still love you. Yeah. And I was like, it makes sense that you wanted to cheat a little bit. You just really wanted to win. And she's like, yeah, I just really wanted to win. I said, that's a totally normal emotion. Mm. And it was such a teachable moment because I said, when you cheated, did you feel something inside? Yes. And she was like, yeah, I kind of felt like I felt bad, but I wanted to do it anyway. And I said, that feeling, that's mm-hmm. your inner guidance. That's your wisdom. That's wow. your signal of knowing, hey, this isn't right. And you get to now listen into that. The next time you're going to want to cheat, you're going to feel that, but you're going to listen to that as a signal of maybe this is not something that I want to do. Anyways, totally unrelated, but yeah, she she did cheat. No, I love that story though, because you said, although she felt the shame, you reminded her that you still loved her. Yes. Because that's the exact reason why shame feels so bad. Yes. It's paired with the belief that I'm unlovable now. Yeah. I'm, un- I'm unacceptable, right? Maybe you made a mistake or, you know, for us, we felt— we have felt so much shame in our life for getting angry. Like, we are, like, freaking hotheads. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I threw a lint roller last week. <laughs> like, I— And I've been laughing about this with every single one of my friends. They're like, it's fine, Sam. And I'm like, no, I know it's okay. But, right, if I— If I'm in shame, yeah. then what is happening is I'm believing that I am uncapable— I'm incapable of being loved anymore because of this, like, thing that I did or this mm. thing that I said— and that the thing that heals shame every single time literally is I still love you. And between you on your healing journey, like you have to be that person. Yes. It's, it's not always going to be a person outside of you reminding you. It can't be another person outside of you. It actually can. It'll yeah, never. Because then you're attached. Exactly. <laughs> it, you'll always be attached to getting that externally and it'll never be long-term. It'll be That's for so that true. moment. Right. And it's so just one, another hit. It's just, it's another hit. <laughs> It's another another hit. Dopamine hit. And one of the things that I'm really, really understanding and embodying in my life right now is the most important thing that we can do for our healing journey, for manifesting, for creating a life that we love, the most important thing is nurturing the relationship with ourselves. It is an ongoing, never-ending life lesson, life journey to learn how to love myself in every moment, in every day, because I'm constantly changing. So my needs are also changing. My awareness of my needs is also changing. And so moment to moment, day by day, I'm constantly learning what do I need to pour myself in with love? What do I need to feel unconditional love? How can I access more of this compassion and love for myself at every turn? Because if you think about it, that is what our kids need. And we're just big kids right? We're just grown up kids. And we need that same love because most of us weren't given the kind of love that we really needed throughout our whole life. And so understanding that for me has been such a game changer because now my number one North star and priority every day is how can I learn to love myself better? How can I love myself when I'm doing well, quote unquote? How can I love myself when things aren't going well? How do I love myself in anger, in shame, in joy? Because even in joy, sometimes we can feel shame. Yeah. Right? So how can I love myself even then? How can I love myself for doing what I need? You know what's so interesting? Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this. Um, Somebody canceled on me for something and they were like, I'm so sorry. I'm overloaded right now. Um, I just can't do it. I feel really bad. I'm so sorry. And I thought, how crazy is it that we punish people for taking care of themselves. I know. Isn't that insane? But also, from your end, you're like, it's fine. To- yes, there- but some people aren't. That's true. That's tr- well, that's because they're not okay with them doing it. 
Ooh, right? okay. It's yes. always the projection, right? Because right. if I'm okay with me taking time to take care of myself, then of course when someone else does it, I'm like, yeah, no big. But if mm. I never allow myself to do that and then someone else does it, that triggers me because I'm like, you're not supposed to do that. Right. But what I'm really saying is I don't do that. Right. Like I showed up for you last week and exactly. I was tired too. Right. So actually how anyone responds to anything that you request is really just a, a mirror into how they treat themselves. Mm. So true. Yeah. So true. But I wanted to go back to the learning to love yes. yourself thing yes. because I think some people could have a resistance to that because mm-hmm. I certainly did. Mm-hmm. But now what I feel like I tell myself or the journey I'm on is is not loving myself, but is getting to know myself, which is loving. Yes. Right? Yes. Because the more, think about this, the more I get to know you, the less I need to stress about how to meet your needs. I know you. Right. So I know what you, it's not so complicated every time. And so now that I'm getting to know myself, it's not this like run around to figure out what I need. I know that what makes me feel better is this. <sighs> I know that what makes me feel upset is that, so I prepare for these things now, right? It's like for you, when you go to travel, you're like, I just know I need six options for one day <laughs> in case. In case I, I need to be prepared for all of the weather possibilities right. and for me to feel safe like I'm prepared and, and, safe. and happy. Yes. And that's to me, that is loving yourself. Yes. Because that's knowing yourself. When you know yourself and you know this is what makes me upset. This is what makes me happy. These situations make me feel this way. That is loving because think about it. If I'm in a relationship and I know, for example, my partner tends to get irritated when these things happen, or I know that it makes him really happy when I do this, then I can do those things appropriately, right? right? Because the love is knowing someone. Well, that is quite literally parenting 101. You get a baby and you're like, what the hell do I do when it cries? What does it want? What does it want? And every baby's different. I remember when I first had her and everyone was like, oh, try the soother and try this. And they love the mama roo and they love the stroller. Like, no, she didn't want any of those things. Okay. And so I had to get to know my baby. I had to get to know what calms her down in the car. What does she need when she's upset? And it was a trial and error basis, right? And she is aging all the time. She's getting older. So that is always changing in every moment. And I'm just getting to know her. And I guess to merge ours together, it is getting to know how we need to be loved. It's Mm -hmm. getting to know how do we need to have our needs met? How can I listen to myself more? What does that feel like in my body? And that's what I've been really trying to understand is, yeah, tuning in, like, where do I feel that in my body? And how does it feel even when things feel good? It's so interesting because I feel like for a really long time, when things felt good, I was just completely disassociated with my body because I was feeling so good. I didn't notice really when I got migraines. I didn't care if I was tired. I was like, everything's going great. Whereas now I'm even tuning in when things feel good because I want to memorize that feeling in my body Mm -hmm. so that it has something to resource to when I'm feeling afraid. You know? Yeah. But also just focusing on a feeling without a story is so powerful too, yeah. right? Because yeah. so many times with my clients, right, they'll say, oh, I'm I'm feeling, um, I'm trying to think of a word that they use that's not really a feeling. Stress? No. <laughs> trying to help. No, when they say things like, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like my life is out of control. Or like, I feel like uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, that's that's not a feeling. Mm, that's mm-hmm, a thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are you, where are you feeling that? And then, you know, with a little bit of guidance and time, they can kind of identify, uh, okay, I feel it in my, my chest, in my throat. And I'll just kind of ask them to, to stay with that for like two minutes. Yeah. Like, like, okay, just focus on it. Is it moving or whatever? And this just really takes them 
off focusing on the story, on the story which is I feel like I'm out of control, which is which is way harder to deal with than the feeling. Yes. But as soon as the feeling passes, usually the charge of the thought passes too. Right. Right. Which is why you can hear a thought and react to it. And you can also hear a thought and be like, oh, whatever. Yes. Right. That has to do with the energetic charge in your current body or yes. at that current moment. And so once a person can actually identify where a feeling is and keep their focus on it, it it's actually deal withable, right? Yes. It's always the story that's undeal withable. Because usually the story, like you can't you can't really change in in the moment, for at least from that space. And when you keep on thinking about the reasons, like think about it in an argument with your spouse or your partner or even a friend or your family member. If you sit there and think about all the reasons why you're pissed at them, like I would stay mad for days. Yeah. Because you're staying in the energy of the story versus what you're saying, which is you go to the root of the emotion and you deal with it at the root versus trimming the leaves, mm. right? You're going right to the root. You're like, oh, this branch is rotten. And you just keep on, I don't know, trimming that instead of going to the root of it. And I, I like what you're saying too. And this is so much what, what I learned in my somatic program and my breathwork program, which is when you give, give it that space to tune into how that feels in your body, it just kind of resolves itself in the story. It's what Lorianne said. Your story follows your state. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, going to the root is obviously the most effective. But the, and, and sometimes you're like, how do I do that? But it's you just feel into it, right? You just feel where is that in my body? You experience the sensation. And then you can follow that up with saying, wow, like you're really fill in the blank, anxious. You're really nervous. Okay, like I see that. And it's for me, I do visualize a child. That just helps me to have compassion so much quicker than if I see myself like right now in this chair. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you have to find, you know, again, you need to get to know yourself. You, I feel like I've been like dating myself. I feel like I've literally been just dating myself and getting to know me, getting to know like, what is my voice? You know, what, it, what are the things that I actually want to be doing and kind of getting again, more curious about like, do I really want that? Because I think we've all been living in a template of who we've been and sometimes breaking out of that can be really uncomfortable that you just kind of snap back into the old template because it's just an automatic pattern. And the people that you're around kind of help to reinforce that old template, right? So even, I don't know, it's interesting, like even with my fears, if I was around people that maybe weren't as aware and they just kept reflecting back, oh yeah, Gina won't want to do that because she's too scared. Right. Oh, Gina. Oh, don't ask Gina to speak because she's she's really anxious. She doesn't like to public speak. Whereas you wouldn't be, you don't see me like that, right? No. So I'm like, let's go. <laughs> right. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it also is hard to sometimes break out of these old patterns if the people around you are reflecting back the old one. Yeah, 100%. I tell my clients all the time that you got to remember too, you're the first one who's going to see you in your new identity. Yes. No one's going to see that, right? So for example, going to work out, we use examples like this all the time. But if you have this desire to create a more fit body, right? Mm -hmm. You visualize that first. Right. You start going to the gym. You notice when you lose the first five pounds, no one else notices. Yes. Right? You lose 20, 40, 50. Now everyone's like, oh, you've been going to the gym. Yeah, I've been going to the gym for a fucking year. Right. Right? But it's like you are committed to that vision long before someone else validates you for it. And the yeah. problem with so many people is they're waiting to be told that from the outside first to believe it about themselves. Yeah. And you really have to go 
way further in advance with that. It's like you you have to see yourself there first yeah. and know that everyone's going to not agree. Know that everyone's going to reject that against what they've currently reinforced within themselves, the idea about you, mm-hmm. right? And they need to see that multiple times in order to change Right? Yeah. And that's why the relationship with yourself is so important because you need to know yourself well enough to to not believe, I guess, these thoughts that might come in. So bringing it back to even you. I know you so well that if somebody else were to come in and be like, wow, Sam's a bitch, (sighs) I'd be like, no, she's not. Because I know you so well, right? But Mm. for us, when I don't know myself that well and and I feel like someone's saying, wow, Gina's a terrible speaker or Gina sucks at whatever. Oh, that's so true. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Because I'm not rooted enough in what how I see myself. I haven't gotten to know myself on a level of believing something different than what my thoughts are. And that's why... Or someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why getting to know yourself is so important. And... Loving yourself regardless of what happens. Because now, again, for me, it's there was so much fear of not being the thing, not doing the thing, not being good enough, trying something and it not working out. And now I'm just like, so what? I know. Like, what am I so afraid of losing? And you're usually afraid of losing respect from other people. What are they going to think about me? What am I going to think about myself? I'm going to feel like shit. And I just realized if I just change the way that I respond and feel about myself, Everything else just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yeah. what anybody else says about me because I love myself. And I actually don't believe in failure anymore. I don't think right. there is a failure. It all is just, you're just on a journey. Yeah, but in other people's opinions never have mattered. It was just an illusion that they did. That's the thing. You, yes. you think that by keeping a certain persona or acting a certain way that you will really be able to control other people's perceptions. And then when you decide to deviate from that persona, now you're like, oh no, I'm going to lose the respect or like the positive thoughts of someone else. But when you realize you never had control over those or guarantee of that, you're like, oh, I'm not losing anything. It's all an illusion that I'm losing this. So actually when you were saying earlier, oh, I always feel fear when I take a risk. I think a lot of this is a reorientation on what the word risk is. It's Mm -hmm. like, what have you even really risked Mm-hmm. And then once your body doesn't even see that as a risk, then actually the feeling yes. does dissipate because That's lately so I haven't been feeling as scared because I'm like nothing, nothing is actually a risk. Yeah. Like actually I was listening to a That's podcast so with, um, ah, he's a really big podcaster and author. I think it's Tim Ferriss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tim, he wrote the four-hour work week. Yes. And the podcaster was saying, so you're someone who has taken so many risks, like blah, 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 blah. And he actually said, well, it's interesting that you keep using the word risk because um, we, need to def- we need to define that because what risk someone is willing to take really depends on what they believe so is a risk. true. And he said, a risk for me, like that word actually means something with basically Un, an undoable circumstance, like mm. a, a, something that happened, something I can't undo, right, something that right. I can't fix. And he says, with that definition of risk, not a lot of things make it into that category because yeah. I actually believe a lot of things can be repaired, right? Either with money or with strategy or with help and collaborations. I I don't actually see myself as a risk taker. Yeah, and that was so interesting to me because this this person who's interviewing him, me as a listener, I'm thinking, yeah, he is a risk taker. He like started that company or he did this, he did that. But to him, he's like, these aren't even risks. These are just like chances I'm taking that I know I can fix if I'm they don't work out. trying. He's like, I'm just trying. Yeah. And we'll see if it works out. 
And I think that's the thing. It's making it okay to just try. That was one of my biggest takeaways. That's all with, we're here to do. That's, it's literally There's nothing else that we're doing besides trying. That, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's literally all we're doing. It's like we get so confused, okay? Like we watch kids and they're just trying, right? They're just, they're just playing sports, not to win, but just to play. They're just painting just to try, just to experience that medium. They have field day, which is just to play. All these different types of games that they get to try. Yeah. And then we we do it as we get older into adulthood, but then we like mentally change the stakes of those things yes. and then make it mean it defines something about us. And now there's like outcomes that we have to achieve. And I feel like the biggest flex in my life is that I have zero outcome. Like I don't actually require an outcome. Because you've already reached the outcome, which is like loving yourself no matter what. Yeah, the outcome is just enjoying my life. Yes, it's <laughs> it's just enjoying the freaking ride. And yeah, like I think about, again, with kids, like when they start soccer, it's not like, okay, but are you going to do this forever? <laughs> like, where is this leading to? Like, what is your intention behind this? And how much time are we going to commit to this? And if we commit to this, is that going to take away from, we don't do that. I know. It's just an experimentation. That's why for me, everything in my mind is a school project. I don't know why that works for me. It just does. Mm-hmm. I just, there's no stakes. I mean, maybe for some people, school projects would because they have to get an A, but I guess just that it's not, it doesn't feel as real to me. It doesn't feel as, think of it as like extracurricular. Yeah. Just like, I don't know, bonus points, I guess. But even that, like I just, I'm just giving myself a permission slip to try. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to win. I don't have to get it right. I just, I just have to try. And that is my only criteria. So for me, success now is just trying. (laughs) Like, did you just do it? And furthermore than that, it's, did I love myself through that? You know, did I, was I there for myself? Because I don't know, man, I, I actually feel really bad for myself sometimes because it's just been a lifelong battle. Against yourself. Against myself. Like, I have made things so much harder for myself for years. And now I'm like, no more, no more. And now that inner child in me is like, feels so much safer to try, Mm -hmm. to be playful, to experiment, to get it wrong. Because getting it wrong doesn't mean anything bad about me. It just means I now get to learn what is right or I, I get to just try a different path. It's like literally like riding a bike. It's so true. And I remember seeing this video and I already, I had already had this thought before, but I saw this video on TikTok about how your intelligence is hurting you. There's a dumber person who's already doing it because they don't even think that they're dumb enough not to do it. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so true. But it is so true because honestly, the less you evaluate yourself as you do something, the more freedom you have to just do it. Do it. And then like, let the feedback of making a quote unquote mistake just inform you along the journey. It's fine. I tell my clients all the time, everything is just data. Right. Nothing is a negative meaning making or assumption about myself. Any quote unquote perceived bad thing is for me to just honestly, okay, that's good information for me to know. Right. It's like, I feel like it's like I'm taking a survey constantly. I don't need the survey to be 50% this many answers as opposed to these. I just want to know. Like, I I just want that information for myself so that I can come to a conclusion or make a decision or course correct. Right. Yeah. There is actually nothing I need to do or achieve. I just want to experience things. And then when quote unquote, not good things happen, it's just feedback. Yeah. And you know what, for me and you too, the things that we've done, we want to provide feedback forms, not so that we're just in an echo chamber of, oh my God, amazing. This was (laughs) awesome. Those are really nice. And we super appreciate those. But like, we're like, we actually want to know, like, what can we improve? 
Actually, right. you're talking about when we get feedback after one of our events. We always right. send out feedback forms. We yes. actually want to know: was it too long? Was it too short? Which part was the most pow- empowering or powerful for you? And if somebody said, "Hey, it was a little bit too long," we would have been like, "Oh my god, we shouldn't do this anymore!" Oh my like, God, I it's can't believe so it. So long, like. We would just be like, oh, that person thought it was long. And you know what's funny is when we do get feedback, there's always opposing feedback. Yeah. Right? And they're supposed to be. Yes. That's the point. Yeah. Right? I would be an idiot if I sent out a feedback form and was like, oh, my God, there's a four-star review instead of a five. It's like, (laughs) I asked for that. I wanted their honest opinion. Yeah. And also, we get to be discerning about that feedback, too. If someone said, it sucked when Sam was talking the whole time. Okay, well, thank you. But, you know, I don't have to, be- I don't even have to take all that. Like, I can, I can. Right. But what does sucking even mean? I mean, it's all relative. <laughs> it's all relative. So if it's helpful feedback, which a lot of your quote unquote mistakes are, right? They're really teaching you what to do better next time, right? So if it was like, oh, that was too long or that was drawn out. Okay, then we can have a conversation about that. Did it feel drawn out for you as right. you were doing it? Okay, you know, I felt the same way. Okay, great. Now we're going to make it shorter. So feedback is, awesome. And there actually is no positive or negative. It's all just information. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm just (laughs) receiving this all. Because it it is, but we, we do just make it mean so much more. I know for me, the feedback, it's so funny. Like, you know, we do, I was doing breath work for for a practicum and some, I mean, I did get some negative feedback, which is really funny because that's ten- that tends to be the only one we look at when there's like hundreds of others that are oh, saying yeah. more positive things. But what was interesting was, so when I do breathwork sessions, we I call it a journey and we have music in the background. And so for some people, they don't want music with lyrics. I find when there's music with lyrics, it, it can be quite distracting where you're like trying to think your own thoughts or be in the moment. But for other people, Lyrics really helps them to get deeper into the moment. And so that's, is that right or wrong? It's neither. It's it's their perspective. It's their perception. It's their feeling in that moment and what works for them. And that's why we keep saying it's so important for you to get to know yourself instead of getting to know yourself through what other people's opinions are. And that's what I was doing. Well, that's right? what most people do as they're growing up. Like that's. You just learn what's acceptable and what's going to allow you yeah. to get the love and attention that you want. But when you give that all to yourself, nothing else matters. Well, now you have the freedom to actually be yourself. Yes. Now it, now yes. you don't have to look like that or talk like that or yeah. do a job like that for the approval because you're like, I don't I don't need it. Yes. <laughs> because I know myself well enough enough to know that I, I want to do it like this. This yeah. is my way of doing it. And I think that has been really like looking back at episode two to now. I mean, when even what was it? It was almost like a year ago exactly today when we recorded that. Episode two? We recorded it in May. Was it in May? Yeah. Well, almost a year. Today's almost a year. April 23rd. But um, as we're recording this. Um, but from that time till now, what I can witness the most and what I'm most proud of is truly the permission slip to be who I am, to mm-hmm. show up as who I am unapologetically and love that. And also love when somebody else might not like it. That's totally fine. Totally fine. Honestly, like, it is so asinine to think that everyone's going to like it. It's actually insane. It's insane. Yes. When I have Or to believe that you think you need to make everybody like it. That's just not the point. Equally crazy, yeah. I think about, it's so easy, but, you know, movies, music. Mm -hmm. The ones I like are not the ones you like. And the ones that my partner likes are not, 
And that is not the point. The yeah. point is that there are so many artists and voices to cater to the spectrum of likes. Well, that's why there are so many. That's literally what I said. It's like, yes. you want to have a library of yes. artists, not yes. one. Yeah. And you also have a different one for different moods. And so that's the thing, too, about being a coach. If someone doesn't want to work with me or work with me anymore, I don't take that personally. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just one of the coaches on your journey, and I'm glad I got to be on it. But you do you. Like, yeah. you, you might need someone else's medicine at this time. I don't make that mean anything because look at me. I've had multiple coaches throughout my life. I've had multiple therapists throughout my life. Yeah, I have different, different friends for different things, yes. right? None of this means something negative about either one of those options. <laughs> I remember talking to you about this last week, and I think I was talking about Kyle Cease, and I was like, imagine if Kyle sat there every time we stopped watching his video and was like, oh my God. Where'd they go? Gina and Sam are not watching anymore. What should I change? Should I offer like more offerings? Should I discount my services? I laughed so hard. He's not even, he doesn't even notice. He's not thinking about that it anymore. Doesn't matter. Should he? The only thing that matters is that you show up in your authentic truth. Yes. And whoever comes is whoever comes. Yes. It's, it's not your job to do that part. And so I find that everyone is working like outside in. They're like, yes. how, do, how do I get everyone to, to come in or like like my stuff or like me and it's the complete opposite it's like your stuff like you and then okay someone will like it most likely but also you like it so much that it's totally fine if like, you won't even care that yeah. you don't you don't even need to try to stop caring about what other people think you just don't you just don't because you started to care what you think more like, that's all that matters, right? That is truly the most important thing, at least for me right now. And that doesn't mean I never think about what other people think. That's the other thing, too, that I had to learn is, again, the goal is not to never let anybody's thoughts about me bother me. That's not the goal. The goal is just to every time that happens to go right back to the knowing of, oh, right, I get to remember now that I have to focus on how I feel about myself. And so, again, it's not the absence of not having anybody else's thoughts come into your vortex or into your into your frame of mind. It's how do I deal with that and how do I respond to that when that happens, inevitably. Yeah, but what's so funny is, from my perspective, it never even happens. Like, how many people actually tell you what I just mean the you? thoughts. The thoughts are kind of automatic. They right. just kind of are going to circle, and that's what I, I, I used to try – to not ever have any negative self-talk in my mind. That's mm. what I was trying to eliminate was like no more inner critic. And it's like, that's always going to be there, right? But it's just, and that's what we were saying It's like earlier. the homeless man on the street. Right. You, ju you just say, no thanks. I don't have any change. Like, Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. They just, they just say the thing and then you just walk on by. You, you don't pick it, him up and take him to some, another corner. Yeah, I think it's just... Yeah. It's just, it's playing in the background for me all the time. And that's what we were saying earlier about, I experienced a fear. I'm just not scared of it. Right? So the fear track is still playing in my mind or the doubts of the self-doubt, the second guessing that still plays. I just don't believe it. I just choose other thoughts. Right? Yeah. That's the thing too, is we're afraid of a literal thought. Every single time. <laughs> and I don't Every know if that's time. hitting you you guys as you're listening to this, but when that hit me one day, I was like, wow, I'm I'm afraid of a thought in my mind. Yeah, a literal sentence. A sentence. A literal sentence. That no one's saying to me. No. Nope. I'm just hearing it in my brain. And my brain is just doing this to protect me. When you really break that down and you understand what is actually happening, it helps to really 
I guess, take, it's like the Wizard of Oz, right? You realize, oh, it's actually not. It's exactly that. Yeah. Well, you know, in the Bible, they called it demons, but demons is really just another word for illusions. Yeah. Right? So yeah. when you slay your demons, you're really just illuminating your illusions. You're yes. like, that's a thing that appears real, but isn't. Yeah. It's just me mentally creating it, and I can just stop doing that. It's like the realization you have when you're finally thinking to yourself, this is my brain. Yeah. I can put whatever I want in here. Good thing I own the place. Good thing this is my brain, yeah. right? Because I tell people all the time, if you could choose to think any thought, which you can, yes. you have freedom and sovereignty over your own brain. What would you choose to think? Mm -hmm. Have you even considered to yourself that you can choose to think a thought? Because most of the time, we're just waiting for the thoughts to find yes. us. And they're usually negative because yeah. those are the ones we've paid attention to for so long. But you can choose a thought. Mm -hmm. You can just choose anyone you want. That's a radical realization for people. Yeah. Because your mind is a tool for you to use. It's yes. in your brain, right? But the mind becomes the master for so many people. Yes. And I think it's important to notice that there's automatic thoughts, right? Those are just playing in the background of your mind, but then you can have conscious thought, yes. right? So again, I was trying to only think conscious thoughts and like not think anything automatic and have those come in. But it's like, I just, they just flying around. They're like mosquitoes. But the way that I think about the unconscious thoughts is I didn't think them. Yes, I didn't think exactly. That. They're exactly. just they're just like, you know, when you pick up an answering machine and it's like, hello, this is the I just think of it like that. Yes. It's just a program thought. It's like when a song comes on in your head, you didn't you didn't choose Beyonce Crazy in Love to come yes. on. It yes. just did. And you can choose to engage with that if you want. You right. Can, or you can be like, why did that song come into my head? And then like pay attention to something else. And yeah. then it goes away. So I don't think of myself as thinking I'm ugly or I'm unworthy or right. I'm whatever. I'm like, oh, that's just like that's just coming into my awareness. Yeah. But the one who chooses to think a responding thought to that, that's me. Yes. That's my conscious choice. <sighs> this is a very good conversation. Yeah. It was good. I'm glad we got to kind of work through that because I think it was important to share with our audience that we revisit a lot of old patterns and that, yeah, it's been a year of working with our fear and not on our fear. And I think that's a really important distinction because I think people think they're working on themselves as if, well, at some point I'm going to be done working on this and it will be good and better yeah. and acceptable. But you actually don't ever get there. It's a lie. You work with it. Mm -hmm. I think I said earlier it's like a chronic illness. Yeah. Because with a chronic illness, you just work around it, right? It's like having diabetes. You just, True. you just know you have a blood sugar issue and you work around it. You yeah. have your insulin, you do your whatever, you have your passcodes. And I think the earlier we all try and stop the natural process that is fear, anxiety, and we look to understand it, investigate it, treat ourselves as humans, right? You said humanize yourself. The more seen and safe it's going to feel to literally relax and go away. And over time, it gets easier and easier, right? Because you have to build that relationship with yourself. You have to build that trust with yourself. You know, when you first meet anyone, right? You're not going to go and tell them your deep, darkest secrets right away. Maybe you will. You and I did. But it's because yeah. we had that level of safety in mm -hmm. our bodies in order to do that. And so that's what I've also understood with myself, too, is not to rush this process and to know that it's going to take time to nurture that safety and that trust with myself to know that I'm going to show up for myself and not turn away.
Mm. You know, and time after time after time over this past year, I have shown myself I am not going to be against you anymore. I have ended a lot of not so great relationships, right? I, I've, I've stood up for myself. I've set my boundaries. I've honored them. Even with regards to working when I'm sick, I used to work through my migraines yep. all the time until I showed my body, I'm going to choose you first. I'm going to take care of you above everything else. And so now there is more trust with myself. Mm-hmm. And when there's more trust with yourself, there's less of a unconscious need to suppress. Because think about it, if I don't feel safe with you, then I don't express myself, right? right. And I, it's not as much of a risk. Yeah. Like you can just express, right? With the safety between us, I know I can say anything and we're going to work through it. And so right. I'm teaching my body that now that you you can feel anything. It's okay with me. Yes. And we're going to get through it because I unconsciously suppressed for so many years because I wasn't the safe zone for my own emotion. Well, you taught like, yourself you <laughs> cannot handle hard things. Yeah. That you cannot deal with fear. That when you're sad, you're going to judge yourself. You That was what you were teaching your my body. My emotions were afraid of me. Yeah. Well, because they were scared of getting yelled at and feeling worse. It's so true. Yeah. So they hid from me. Well, that's what I did from my mom. I got so good at lying to my mom mm. because I knew if I told her the truth, I was going to get more shit. Yeah. Right? So you learn to deal with the scary thing that's happening in your life. And for us, we learned how to really outsmart ourselves yeah. to get away from even needing to love ourselves, right? Yeah. And also that helps me actually really see myself compassionately too, because you know, when you start healing and you're like, oh my God, I'm so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone has that moment of realizing how much they've suppressed or like yeah. whatever coping mechanisms they picked up, but those were adaptive also. Those were- Those were necessary for yes. a moment in time. Yes. Yes. I need I needed to do that. It wasn't actually okay for me to just like feel everything. It was not safe yet. So I'm thankful to that part of me that learned to cope in that way, right? But now it's up to me to tell my body and educate my body that we're not we're not in that time zone anymore because yes. remember it doesn't know what year it is. Yeah. It might as well be 2008, right? Yeah. But I'm like it's 2023 now. We're here. It's a safe zone. You can come out. And I'm going to be here for you. And the work for me is really to compassionately witness myself as if I were another person. Yes. You know, people say that all the time. Treat yourself like your best friend, which sounds so cheesy. And it is. But you have to literally – sometimes I look at my literal hands and my legs and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I am a literal human. What the heck? Like, of course I'm going to feel sad. Of course I'm going to feel angry. And I had just believed for so long that I was not allowed to have those experiences. I mean, I know. I was there. I know. Which yeah. Is, which is so funny because I say to my clients now, I'm like, you're not special. You are, but you're not, right? Right. You, you don't actually get special treatment in the sense that you don't deserve compassion. All other humans do. Like, yes. you belong to that collective pool of humanity. Yes. Therefore, you deserve the same things. Yeah. And I mean, when we think about too, like if I did treat you like I treated myself back then, like why would you ever come to me with anything? Why you would you ever- even be friends. No. Why would you, you would ever- You literally feel... be such a bad friend if I- <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And we've treated ourselves so poorly. So poorly. That I'm just like, I'm going to make up for lost time and I'm going to love on you so much. Yeah. Well, think about how much you'd have to- how well you have to treat yourself in order to gain that trust back. Well, how exactly? How well would I have to treat you in order for you to trust me again? After all yeah. the times that you would come to me crying and be like, shut up. 
Yeah. You idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would take so much because you would say she's never going to change. She's always been like that. Yeah, and you would have to not be annoyed that I don't believe you yet. Yeah. Because exactly. that's the pattern behavior and you're just going to show up for me anyways. Like, yep. it's like an abused dog. I think about yes. that dog I met in Mexico that was like shivering and shaking in the corner, like freaking out. Yeah. And it's like that, well, it's not my job to make that dog come out. It's it's just my job to be kind over and over and over and over again. I can't guarantee that the dog will let me pet it. But I also don't shame the dog and get mad at it for not letting me pet it, right? Yeah. It's a it's scared. Yeah. 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 <sighs> well, we hope this was helpful. I know I'm going to come back to this. I know. I, I feel like the next time I have like a cycle, I have to come back. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. And we're going to come back. Let's normalize we're gonna that, back. We're going to come back. But every single – but I want to say this. You're not actually going back. No, not at all. Because just, that is just a failure of perception too. Exactly. Yeah, we're only ever moving forward. And right. that's why it's called spiraling higher. <laughs> Indeed. I actually uh, – to finish this off, I had a client say, well, I'm so afraid to do this thing because if I don't do it anymore, then I have to quit and I'd be starting over. Yeah, everybody – yeah. That's and such I'm like, a common It's so common, thought. right? Yeah. But you're never starting over. You're not actually starting at the same point you were. Now, then you have all of this information, feedback, experiences, yes. data, growth that you're start starting with. Now. You're like way ahead because yeah. there's no starting over. And so on your journey too, the next time you experience a wave of anxiety or depression, you're you're not going backwards. You're taking this experience with you and all of the lessons that you've learned you're on your journey. Starting again. Yeah, it's you're just. You are advancing. It just may not feel like it, but you are. <sighs> and with that, <laughs> we'll sign off. We're actually about to go to an event together. I know. We're wearing our matching spiraling higher sweatshirts. Which the merch is, we're working on that. We're working on that. Oh, yeah. And if you're listening to this right now, then you still have time to join us inside of our free community and join us for our community call, which is Ooh. absolutely free. It happens on April 30th, mm -hmm. so Sunday, at 10 a.m. PST, PST for one hour. So come on in, meet the fam, We're ask do your some questions. Q&A. Yeah, a little Q&A and a little discussion on really a lot of what we talked about today, how you get to be there for your pattern. You are not the pattern. Right? Yes. Oh my gosh, I forgot the topic. Yes, that's this the topic. is so on point. Yeah, as it always is. Yeah. So if this resonated with you, then join us for our free community call, and we can't wait to see you there. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review, so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this episode impacted you. Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like-minded people on their healing journey. Here's to Spiraling Higher. Spiraling Higher.